This is 52 Gifts, and I'm Bernadette, here to tell you about my big, little project to bring more smiles to the people in my life by sending them the perfect gifts. For birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, or mainly just because, this is where I share all the details with you so you can enjoy these 52 gifts, too. Hello, and welcome to 52 Gifts. It's the podcast where I give a gift every single week of the year and tell you about it. So 52 times 52 gifts, and here we are at week 26, which is the halfway point. That's right, I did the math. So we are at week 26, and we're halfway through. And so for this week, as I promised, I've been working on something a little different and special for this episode to mix things up and celebrate making it through 26 weeks of giving gifts and making donations and reporting on that. So this week, I have invited our gift recipient to talk to me on the podcast. And the person who received the gift this week is Philomena Finelli. Philomena is the CEO and founder of Impact PR and Communications, which is an award-winning public relations firm that's based in the Hudson Valley. Her agency is about nine years old, and they have a three-state footprint. And their clients include top-selling consumer brands, key cultural destinations, prominent banking and construction and real estate development companies, as well as mission-based nonprofits. I really wanted to invite Philomena to talk to me and have a conversation today about her gift and what it means and just, you know, tell her story because she has a really interesting story that I think everyone could benefit from hearing. So I'm going to put Philomena's full bio in the show notes because she is just a really badass businesswoman and she has so many things that she does and and awards that she's received um, that I don't want to list them all here, but um, you can go ahead and read about her in the show notes. I will tell you though that she has been named an Athena Leadership Award honoree. She's also been recognized as 40 Under 40 from the Dutchess County Regional Chamber of Commerce. She's been on the cover of Hudson Valley Magazine because she's a celebrated woman in business. And she's even received a National Philanthropy Day Award from the Association of Fundraising Professionals. And her firm was given the top women-run workplace of the year by the Stevie Awards. So Philomena is really awesome. She's a professional advisor at Marist College's Public Relations Student Society of America, and she's a frequent speaker. She speaks all over the place, including having presented at the 92nd Street Y in New York City. So I hope you'll agree that Philomena is amazing and that um, her story is uh, interesting and inspiring to you this week. And full disclosure, she also happens to be one of my very best friends. We've been friends for almost 20 years now. And so hopefully you'll appreciate 
this recording of just two friends, you know, chatting about the gift that I sent her this week. So let's roll that beautiful bean footage. Hi, Phil. Hey, Bernadette. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for being here. Of course. I'm, I'm happy to chat with you. It's yep. a lot of fun. I, um, I'm just so glad to have uh, another person to talk to on my wacky little podcast. Well, <laughs> you don't I'm like just talking, here to, talking to myself? <laughs> yeah. Talking to yourself. <laughs> so this is so much better. But um you know, I don't mean to really out you here, but you were mm-hmm. one of the first people that I spoke to about this crazy idea to do <laughs> this podcast. And, um, you know, you were one of those people who said, definitely you should do this. It's a great idea. So I'm just wondering now that I've put out 25 of these kind of kooky recordings, do you stand by your recommendation? <laughs> I still, I still believe you made the right call here. I think when you have a crazy idea, there's two ways you can go with it. You can play it safe or you can say, screw it, let's do it. And I'm, I'm glad you took the screw it, let's do it route. I think that some of the best ideas come out of those moments where like, is this a a crazy idea or a good idea? That's when you're on the brink of genius. (laughs) All right. I'm, I'm going to just try to stay on that brink of genius. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Definitely. (laughs) Well, I wanted to have you on this week because I am at the halfway point. I can't believe we're halfway through this year. And I just wanted to do something a little bit special. And so having a an interview style episode, I thought would be a lot of fun. And also because I feel like you have a really important message that's kind of tied to this week's gift that I wanted you to be able to share with anybody that listens to this show. So you were the recipient of a gift this week. How did that make you feel? Um, I loved it. First of all, I laughed. Um, So here is the sign in, and I don't know if anybody can see it over here, but it says, wiggle your big toe. Can you explain to those who might not know what that reference is, what that means? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just give you like the story of how it came to be. I was, um, out shopping at one of my favorite like gifty type stores. Um, I always find good things in the store. It's called the foundry and it's in Stanton, Virginia, which has a lot of great shops, but um, I was just shopping around browsing, trying to get some inspiration because, you know, it's, it's been hard to constantly come up with really great gifts every week and, you know, make them appropriate and not, you know, too bizarre. So Um, I was shopping and looking around and I saw that little painting and, um, and it was with other ones that were, after I read them, I was like, these are movie quotes, I think. And I'm like, these are Tarantino movie quotes. Um, my favorite one, probably one of my favorite movie quotes of all time is say what again from Pulp Fiction, Samuel L. (laughs) Jackson. So I was like, I didn't get the wiggle your big toe reference right away. Did you? Did you know it? Not immediately. And then I Googled it like you told me to in the note. And then it all I, it like brought back all of the memories. And I was like, oh, yeah, but also this is great life advice. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I saw it and I was like, I feel like I ought to know this. And 
obviously it's a Tarantino reference. Um, I I'm kind of embarrassed that I don't get it. The woman that was working at the desk, I was like, do you know what this quote is from? And she was like, Oh, I don't, I, I feel like I should. So I, I just, I had a feeling that it was like just the right thing that I was looking for, for you, but I didn't know for sure. Cause I was like, if this reference is like totally off base, then it's not going to make any sense. So I left it there and I went home and then, you know, later on, I, um, I Googled it and I started looking into it and saw that it was from Kill Bill and it was about Uma Thurman's character and her trying to um, get, you know, like will herself to move and get out of where she was and, you know, starting out with just trying to wiggle that big toe. And so when I saw that, I was like, yes, that is what I, it is perfect. I'm going back, I'm getting it. So I went back to the foundry, grabbed it and, um, and sent it off to you. And it just, it made me think of you because, um, and, you know, you'll, I'll ask you to share your story, which, you know, is super personal. And I appreciate that you're willing to share it, but I think it's um, so many parts of it are so important for other people to hear, especially if they're people of a certain age. <laughs> like Let's talk about are. that age. Yeah. Um, and so, but, you know, through, through all of the challenges you've had recently, you're so positive and not in that weird, like toxic positivity way, but like a for real, like, um, I'm gonna persevere type of way. And I felt like Mm -hmm. the wiggle your big toe message was kind of indicative of your style of, you know, like grit and determination (laughs) and like staying, staying in it and staying positive. And so that's why I thought it was perfect for you. So with that, I'll just let you kind of explain, you know, what the hell happened over the last several months and, and, you know, just tell us about that. And let me just say, like, even the most non-toxic but positive people also have moments where they need a reminder to wiggle their big toe. So I'm keeping this sign behind me so that I constantly see it and am reminded when I have that moment where I'm like, you know, can I do this? Or like, do I feel trapped right now? Like you're not trapped, just wiggle your big toe is like a great reminder. Um, So like you said, uh, I had a moment where everything was going fine and things were moving along. And back in December of this year, I was feeling great. I was on top of the world. I ran a 5k with a neighbor friend of mine. I was hitting the gym regularly, spin classes, feeling like I've got this, I'll say the age 40 something year old mom vibe going on. Like (laughs) I'm slaying it in business. I'm slaying it in life. I'm like getting the kids to where they need to be after work. And like, I felt like I was in a nice groove of self-care and accomplishment and balancing all the many life roles that we have. Um, And there's lots of titles next to my name. I'm, you know, a mom, a daughter, a sister, um, you know, a family member, a friend. And I take all those roles really seriously, but I felt like I was in a group. I was juggling everything nicely. And then suddenly over the course of a few weeks and then a few months where it escalated, things felt less fine. And I really didn't know what was going on because the signs at first were so subtle that I could excuse them for other things. And because we live in this world of 
kind of negativity around some of the natural things around aging. I just kept chalking it up to that. Um, so I'll like, I'll make you laugh here. It started off as simply as I was baking holiday cookies with some cousins of mine. And I'm in the kitchen, you know, cranking out dozens and dozens of cookies. And all of a sudden I look down and one of the fingers on my hand turned purpley red and was swollen and felt like it was throbbing. And I thought, did I burn myself and not know that I did it? Am I that shot? Like, yeah. am I that distracted and busy that I don't even know when I burn myself? Jeez. And the answer was like, I thought I actually did. So that was the first warning sign. Uh -oh. I mean, I don't know if you've ever like gotten a black and blue on your leg and couldn't remember where it was from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are things that happen. So I, I chalked it up to that. But then about a week or so later, that same thing happened again on a different finger. Oh. And I thought, okay, that's a little weird. Like, why do I keep hurting myself and not remembering? Um. And then I went to a holiday party for a client of ours. I, I run a business and I, I went to a party to celebrate and I did some dancing and had a really fabulous time. And I was wearing heels. They weren't really high heels, but I was wearing heels. The next day I could barely walk and I had a hard time doing the stairs for a week or two afterward. And I thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't dance in heels anymore. Like <laughs> maybe that's what the problem is. Like maybe I can't really get low anymore. <laughs> You know, I can wear the apple bottom jeans, but I cannot get that low repeatedly. Um, so that was like the next like little warning sign. But I didn't think anything of it either. By the time I got to January, I started having like a frozen shoulder where I, I couldn't move my shoulder. The range of motion was like maybe an inch or two and like jabbing pain Jeez. really bad. Um, and I thought, well, this is weird. And people were joking with me, like, welcome to 40-year-old shoulder. There's even comedy skits of 40-year-old shoulder. <laughs> Who heard of 40-year-old shoulder? <laughs> it's a thing. You can Google it. There's a comedy routine about 40-year-old shoulder. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. So, again, I ignore it because I think, oh, okay, don't, don't be paranoid. This is 40-year-old shoulder. It's no big deal. Um, I write it off. And eventually it just kind of goes away. And I think, okay, that's fine. But then it happened on the opposite shoulder. And I thought, oh, this is really weird. And it got to the point where when it was my dominant shoulder, I'm right-handed, I couldn't put my hair in a ponytail. I couldn't brush my teeth with my dominant hand for a few days. I was having a hard time putting a shirt on. Jeez. So I asked my husband to put toothpaste in my toothbrush and gratefully oh my he God. did. And my, I mean my daughter helped me get dressed. And like you said, you're like a, like active fit, like healthy, you know, energetic person. Like you must've been so confused. Like, why am I falling apart piece by piece? Yeah, it was, it was confusing and very humbling at the same time, the bottom of my feet started giving me problems and it wasn't one foot. It was both feet and I was still running and going to the gym. So I thought, oh, I, I guess I have plantar fasciitis that like affects the bottom of your feet. I assumed it was that I went to um, Fleet Feet, the boutique running store in my community, got my feet checked, got these amazing sneakers called Hoka's. I don't know if you've heard yeah, of the Hoka's. Yeah, they're, they're on my list. Uh, yeah. yeah. Those they make you my birthday. Smaller. Bernadette, they make you like several oh. inches smaller. I know. I I'm all for that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, these really wide kind of clownish looking shoes that are apparently in style. 
Like I need to wear those right now while my plantar gets better, right? This is what I'm telling myself. And okay, so a hundred something dollar sneaker later, I think I've solved my problem except my feet are still hurting and they're sore. And I, I start noticing that, you know, there's like kind of lumps on the side of my feet on both of them, but I don't know. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I need to see a podiatrist. Around the time that all this is happening, I noticed that my feet are, my toes are feeling, and it's funny that you got me this, this sign, my toes were feeling stiff in the morning. And I had noticed something like that about six months prior and asked my general practitioner, hey, like, is it normal if my toes feel kind of stiff in the morning? And so she like talked to me about all the usual things, potassium levels, vitamins and minerals, you know, wiggling your toes each morning. She actually told me to wiggle my toes each morning. And I had been doing that, but I, I noticed <laughs> all the toes, really. Um, I noticed that they were consistently being stiff, but also my hands suddenly started getting stiff. And that was increasing with each day. It felt like I was dipping them in concrete Ooh. every night when I went to bed and waking up. And like I had to sort of ease them up and they, they didn't have a full range of motion. Sheesh. Yeah, so that was odd. And then I noticed more of that like redness and swelling that I had noticed when I was baking cookies. And that was very puzzling. And I remember calling up my mother and asking her, because she's obviously older than me, like, hey, mom, like, are your hands super stiff in the morning and your toes? And she's like, no, what are you talking about? Um, but I felt like maybe it was normal. Um, so apparently it was not. Mm. And she's like, I'd get that checked out. I was like, yeah, I was kind of thinking of calling someone. So I called my general practitioner up and she's marvelous. Love her. Um, And Dr. Grace over at Community Primary Care, very grateful for her. She got me in on a weekend. I guess uh, she and her staff realized that this was like a serious thing from what I was describing. Called me in, ran a whole bunch of tests, x-rays, blood work. And initially everything came back negative. Of course. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if this is good news or bad news. Yeah. Or like, maybe I'm just losing my mind. That was another real thought because I also felt at the same time, like my energy wasn't the same. I was kind of getting very tired and um, crazy night sweats that I was having. And wow, I, I thought it was like perimenopause or depression. Mm. And I've never been depressed in my life. But I was like, why am I struggling to the energy to get out of bed? Right. So she took it seriously. She ran these tests. Everything came back negative. And then she recommended that I follow up with a rheumatologist immediately. She did feel like there was something else going on and that I owed it to myself to look into it. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the first time, the term rheumatoid arthritis was brought up as a possibility. And I went and called my mother again. I was like, mom, does does anybody in our family, didn't grandma have rheumatoid arthritis? This was my dad's mom. And she's like, oh, yeah, she had a very aggressive case. Her, her, remember, her hands were disfigured and she had a hard time walking. I'm like, oh, yes, I do remember that. Wow. Um, so, yeah. I mean, did you think that could be a possibility for you, like at your age? Like I think of arthritis and I think that's like somebody, you know, 20 years older than us is thinking about. Minimum, right? Yeah. 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 So did you even entertain that or? Well, because of Google and the ability to search, 
<laughs> WebMD and such. Yeah. I started typing in things and that kept coming up again and again. And when I looked at the symptoms, I was like, oh, I, I feel like I'm a dead ringer for this. Okay. But then in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, what if it's not that it's something even worse, you know? Yeah. That was scary too, to think of. Right. And I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole because without information, why, why drive yourself crazy? But I, like you, I always thought of the other kind of arthritis. So there, what I've learned is that there are many types of arthritis. Mm-hmm. There's osteoarthritis, there's rheumatoid arthritis, there's juvenile arthritis, wow. which, which can onset a lot younger than all of us. Like it, it could be a toddler or a young child that develops arthritis or a teenager or a woman in her 20s. And that was shocking for me because I did, like you, I always associated arthritis with kind of crickety old ladies. Right. Yeah. The stereotypes there. Yeah. And I I always, I mean, this is wrong, but I just also think about when I hear arthritis, I think of like a mildly annoying thing that makes you, makes it hard for you to open jars. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just kind of think that it's uncomfortable and, you know, it bothers people, but it's not really debilitating, I guess I would think, you know, in most cases. So like all of this, mm-hmm. what you're experiencing is, you know, surprising to me and somebody, you know, you're young, you're, you know, you're fit, you're somebody who takes health seriously mm-hmm. and exercises and still, you know, you're having these like really debilitating situations happen. Yeah. And I think it is, it's, it's funny, but it's, it's wrong to assume that just because you eat organic vegetables or you exercise or you're active or you're thin that you can't have a health situation happen. But I think this is the mindset that most of us are in is like, if I take good care of myself and I follow all the recommendations, I'm going to be just fine. But life isn't always fair. And we all have our genetic predispositions or our circumstances that happen to us that we don't know quite why, but those are the things we're given to dealt with, to deal with rather. And I think this was one of them for me. Um, and, And by the way, it is very hard to get in with a rheumatologist these days. There are not a lot of rheumatologists, uh, practicing in the U S Wow, and we're fortunate where I, where I live in New York, there are a lot more than say, if you lived in the middle of the country or in a, a smaller state or a smaller town, we have a lot more options than most people. And the the waits can often be many, many months to get in for even an initial assessment. And fortunately for me, my doctor called the rheumatologist and was like, this person's very symptomatic and has something going on. And she was able to squeak me in for a virtual visit first to assess the situation and to order more blood work that ultimately led to my diagnosis. Wow. So- very grateful. Finding out that you have rheumatoid arthritis, like, did you say, how did I get this? I mean, yes, you know, you, you said your grandmother had it, so there could be a hereditary element to it, but you know, what kind of, uh, like, how does someone develop this? So yeah, let me probably back up by explaining when I said there's multiple types of arthritis, the kind I have rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune issue. And I'm going to disclose, like, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. Um, (laughs) So my, my level of knowledge is obviously very surface level, but I I needed to educate myself really quickly. And it is autoimmune in nature. 
which according to the doctor that I see, she explained it was probably dormant in my system. It was there already. And just waiting for the right set of triggers or circumstances for it to sneak out. So it could be you get sick with, you know, strep or something like that, that stresses your immune system or COVID or, um, you know, stress levels. Um, and I was like, I have no stress in my life. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. <laughs> like most women, I you know, I'm very relaxed. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think it's like a combination of those things. And obviously, if you have that genetic predisposition, and there are other lifestyle behaviors that can be there that can bring on the onset, none of which I engage in, but like smoking, for instance, um, tell all the young people out there, like, do not smoke. Do not vape like these things can if you have a genetic predisposition to something, it can bring it out faster. That science does know. Uh, but that is not something I was doing. Right. Um, but it's it's just good to kind of mention and put out there. But information gathering was my first step. Uh, talking to friends of mine at the Arthritis Foundation was like an initial step I took. And then people I, it started triggering my memory of all the people I did know with rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. And I think I just didn't know what that really meant. And that sounds naive and maybe even inconsiderate of me. But when it doesn't affect your life or somebody who's close enough to you, you sometimes don't do the homework to educate yourself. Right. And I was guilty of that. I had sure. people right in my circle who had this. Uh, yeah. One was actually a good friend who I was out to brunch with when I was trying to unravel my medical mystery and we were sitting down at brunch, um, her fiance, my husband, and we were talking and I was like, don't you have this rheumatoid arthritis? They're saying maybe mine could be rheumatoid arthritis. And she asked me about my symptoms. And when I told her about the frozen shoulder, she was like, that's exactly what happened to me right before I got diagnosed. She's like, go get help. Run. Don't walk to the rheumatologist. Like maybe you're not running right now, but run, don't walk. Yeah. Wow. I want you to mention, you know, some of the emotional and mental aspects of dealing with, you know, coming to terms with having something that you're going to have to deal with now. But um, even before that, for anybody that's out there, um, maybe this has happened to them or, you know, they're dealing with something similar. What helps? What have you found helps? Well, reaching out to friends and talking about it helps Mm -hmm. living more transparently so that I don't feel ashamed of changes that have happened or adjustments I'm making in my life has helped me Mm -hmm. getting accurate information instead of scary internet information. Because like most people, I was scouring the internet. Like I joked, like Googling symptoms, going down rabbit holes. You can find a discussion board on Facebook for any topic you want to indulge yourself with. And there you will see a bevy of input from people, some who have different experiences than yours or different factors. And I think it can be frightening and Part of that, like I did all of those things and part of that really scared me or upset me at first. And then I had to kind of hit a reset and gather accurate information and reframe my mind to think of the now and not worry about five years, 10 years, 20 or 30 years down the line, because all I can worry about is what's in front of me right now. Right. And so like physically, hopefully you're probably getting treated 
Like maybe yes. there are drugs that there will are. help. Okay. And lots of new ones, lots of new drugs that they've come out with in recent years that did not exist when my grandmother dealt with this or your grandmother yeah. Um, was out in the world, you know, like those things didn't happen, but there've been tons of scientific advances. Arthritis Foundation has been around for 75 years and there's been lots of research into treatments and, you know, hopefully one day a cure, but a lot of those treatments I'm really benefiting from right now. Mine was a very aggressive case of rheumatoid arthritis. And therefore some of those frontline treatments that are often recommended were not great given my numbers and my symptoms. So I started off immediately with an injectable biological biologic drug that I take once per week. Oh, wow. And yeah, I'm on it for just under three months now. And I've seen really dramatic improvement. Um, I went from barely being able to walk around my block to being able to walk several blocks most days, like even maybe lightly jog some days if I'm feeling good. Nice. Kind of going back to some of the things I loved and that were very much a part of my identity. I will say, though, realistically, in everybody's case is different. I think there are some things that maybe I did in my past that might I might not be a great candidate for today. And that doesn't mean somebody else can't do them. But I, I think I've had to make some adjustments. Certainly, I've retired my spiky high heels oh. and... Um, kind of adjusted what I, what I will and won't do physically to make sure I'm not putting extra stress on my joints unnecessarily. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds silly, but you know, your shoes are kind of part of your work uniform and they're like, you know, you're like, I don't know, when you put on those heels, you were just like taking on the world. So how was that to let go of your it's cool. going to sound silly to say, and yeah. thank you for saying that, Bernadette, because you're validating my feelings. <laughs> my heels and how I showed up at work meetings was very much a part of my identity. And I feel like that's shallow to say, but I'm used to kind of walking in, owning the room. I'm kind of short in stature. I'm five, four. And I love. Hey, hey, power. that's not short. That's how tall I am. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved the feeling of power and lift that came with those extra inches of height and the pointy fronted shoe that looks like boss. Um, right. Yeah. And just kind of that fashion statement and that edge that that gave me psychologically mm -hmm. and needing to step back from that and be like, wonder where my identity is and where my power really comes from was an adjustment I needed to make. And it wasn't an easy one. Uh, there were a few things that made me cry in the beginning before I could pull my crap together. And, and one of them was the realization that I had to retire some of my favorite shoes oh. and look for slightly more sensible options. So there was a moment when I was on vacation visiting uh, my in-laws in Florida. And I, I remember turning to my mother-in-law and being like, those Clarks, are those comfortable? <laughs> and Talk like, to oh, me about Clarks. The cloud technology is dynamite. And I found myself shopping for the same sandals as my mother-in-law and really liking them. And <laughs> there's no turning back. Like now I'm like, these Clarks are freaking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was like a moaning of, moment of mourning, I guess, um, yeah. for the yeah. shoes that were and the shoes that will be. But I found some stylish flats that have arch support and feel better on my feet and give me a little more, you know, wiggle room. And I, I found a way to deal with this, which was calling up my two friends with my same shoe size and having a shoe giveaway get together where I 
let them look through like 30, 40 pairs of shoes and take whichever ones you want and whatever you don't donate to something like a dress for success. And don't even tell me about it. Just take the ones you want, go out in the town, enjoy them and donate the rest. And that made me take my power back a bit. Yeah. It just seems so sad though. Cause I mean, it's like, it's just shoes, but you're dealing with this whole big health crisis. And then to have to give up something that you enjoy, it just feels like an added blow to the whole thing. So I don't know. I feel bad. That's tough. I, <laughs> I mean, I have no excuse. I, I barely wear heels anymore. I'm like a sneakers girl. And, I mean, but that's my choice. So it's not because I have to. Though. I've reframed it, Bernadette, because if you look at today's teenage girls, do you ever see them wear like their cute, like homecoming dress with like a cute pair of sneakers? Yes. So I'm like, I'm going to be like that. So I went out the other day with two other PR agency owners and I had like a little dress above the knee and I put my cute little Kizik's on and I was like, here I am, ladies. And they like, they thought it was like a cute fashion statement. And I, of course, I told them the truth about it. But I'm like, hey, this is a different phase and a different look I can rock. And I think I realized that the ownership and the mindset that I have is what makes something stylish or cool or powerful. It's not about the shoes in spite of like all those like it must be the shoes slogans. It really isn't about the shoes. It's about you and your mindset. And when we're confident and when we are at peace with who we are in our stage of life or whatever circumstances we're handed that confidence is contagious and attractive, not yeah. the shoot. See, that's that optimism and that, that positivity that I was talking about. <laughs> I've got the most badass, like, orthotic shoe collection one can imagine now. Um, and also I power walk now. I'm like, I'm, I'm like a certified power walker. <laughs> okay with that. Like, see me around the neighborhood, strutting in my hokas, like with my smile, because that's where it's at. It's the attitude. Yeah, totally. You're right. That's where it's at for sure. So, I mean, you've gotten to a place where you can, you know, kind of be light about it and have a laugh and, you know, feel confident and positive. Um, Do you want to just touch on, you know, maybe the other side of that, like what you kind of had to go through emotionally in order to get to this place? Yeah, I think giving myself permission to feel sad and to feel lost was the most important step. I think I needed to tell myself it's okay to feel that way and to talk to the people I love and trust. You know, my husband, my close circle of friends, other people who have been down this road before and admit that I was feeling these things and let myself have the pity party at first. Yeah. Let myself be sad. This was um, not something I wanted or asked for. Like if I could give it back, I would. Um, I recently found out on the Arthritis Foundation's Jingle Ball, a Jingle Bell 5K adult honoree. And like, that's an honor, right? They love my positivity and that I'm a young, fresh face of this. But it's a bittersweet honor. I was at a luncheon the other day and somebody was like, congratulations. And my friend Bruce next to me was like, God, that sounds weird to say. Somebody's like, congratulations, you have a lifelong autoimmune issue. (laughs) Yay. Yay. (laughs) Yay. But it is also an honor. Um, But I I think it is important to let yourself experience those feelings and not to be 
toxic in that positivity and be like, oh, you don't get a chance to feel sad or to cry. Like, no, everybody has a chance to feel sad about um, and to grieve. Grieving is that act of realizing you have something that you didn't ask for, you didn't wish for, like that's a loss. Yeah. And I did, I did have moments where I let myself sit in that first before I arrived at this place of, you know, well, how can I move forward and how can I live gracefully and how can I use what's a negative and turn around to be a positive for somebody else? At first I needed to be like, no, this, this sucks. I'm not happy about this. I don't want this. No, thank you. Right. Someone else, please. Yeah. Yeah. So through, through all this, you got connected with the um, Arthritis Foundation, as you mentioned. Yes, um, I was connected with them already, Bernadette. This oh. is a funny story. Uh, about a couple of years ago, I am friends with this person who I mentioned, Bruce, who was sitting next to me at this luncheon. And he's a friend of mine from the media world. And every year he would run in this Jingle Bell. He's a runner. And he asked me to sponsor him or support him. Ah. I always would give a donation, like didn't really think anything of it. His son has juvenile arthritis. And I just knew his kid had some like tragic form of arthritis and he was running and I'm a runner myself. And like, of course, I'm going to support anybody who asked me to support their nonprofit thing. I'm a sucker for that. I'm like, sure. Like, what can I do to help? So at one point they had asked me if I could emcee the Jingle Bell run. Mm. And I had made a promise to my now 12 year old daughter that I was going to do something on the day that this was happening. It was a last minute ask. And I had a moment where I was like, do I go do this like, you know, commitment for this not for profit? or Do I honor my commitment to my child? So I declined and I found them an MC because I wanted to keep my promise. So I set them up with the person who was an MC at that event. And then the MC of the Arthritis Foundation luncheon I was just at the other day. Um, and so I was like this close to basically hosting the event that I'm going to be honored for because now I have the thing that oh my they gosh. were fundraising to, yeah, it was kind of a weird yeah. twist. Like, what are the odds? But thank God I had that connection because I knew exactly who to call and in what order. Once I like realized what was going on with my life and what was happening, I was like, oh, wait, I have friends who fundraise for this and know all about the scientific research and the facts, like I should call them. Yeah. Wow. That is a strange coincidence. Really? I mean, you know, some people say there are no coincidences, but yeah, I feel I was fortunate to, if you're going to have an unfortunate thing happen to at least have friends in that world for sure to be able to call and be like, Hey, can we, can we go have breakfast? And can you bring all those brochures with you and that information? Cause I think I might need it. Yeah. One major thing is that, you know, every everyone's busy and everybody cannot afford to have a, a you know, disease sneak up on them and have health problems that you weren't expecting. But I mean, you in particular are um, running a very successful business and a family and all of that stuff. And so I just wonder how, you know, how did going through all of this affect how you're able to show up at work? Because, you know, you are the boss and, you know, you've got a really busy and successful firm that you're leading up. And, you know, 
it's one thing if you if you go to work for someone else. It's something completely different when you are in charge. How how did you deal with that in your workplace situation? Well, I was pushing through and before I knew what was going on, I didn't want to frighten anyone or really talk too much about it, but we we do have a very flexible work environment and thank goodness for that because showing up on Zoom from you know, the chest up is way easier than someone seeing if you're uncomfortable or in pain and seeing that I I couldn't open a water bottle by myself or things like that. And if we were in that regular office environment, I think it would have come to light sooner. And I probably would have had to talk before I ideally would have wanted to. But probably the most important thing is like, even though I was able to push through and nobody knew until I told them was that it gave me a greater sense of empathy for others in the workplace and for realizing whatever struggles I'm having and team members that I'm working with and their families might be having those things going on behind the scenes that I don't know about yeah, or that they didn't expect. And I think it was like a great, like to use the Oprah term, like an aha moment for me of, you know, I, I never saw this on the horizon. I didn't think this was something I was going to deal with. And here's a moment where sheer will, determination and high energy levels aren't going to help me push through. And it's not that I'm lazy and it's not like it didn't affect my job performance to anyone else, but I was working 10 times harder to show up on the job. So the the one thing that it did bring to light for me is like, have I protected my team members? Am I running the kind of company that makes it safe for them to tell me if they're having a struggle to take the time to take care of their medical care? And I'd like to think I was. But one area that I was deficient in, and it was a function of being a small business that grew rapidly is I realized I didn't have long-term disability for my team members. I didn't have life insurance for them. And while I had my own life insurance that I've had privately, I never thought about the need to make sure if something unfortunate was to happen to anyone who was working with me that I had their needs covered. So right. that spurred me to take that action. It's like, I can't change what's unraveled for me or what what circumstance I have, but I can think about how the decisions I'm making can affect others. So it was it was actually like a really pivotal moment for me in a leadership role to be like, how can I use this to advocate and how I'm living very openly and talking not only to my team members, to, but to my community and being like, it's okay. Like I'll, I'll let myself be a face to this thing that I thought didn't affect people like me is my small way of saying everybody out there, no matter what your issue is, it's okay to be transparent. And, you know, you're still a good worker and you're still a good mom and you're still a good human being, even if you're not always 100%. And I I used to pride myself on always showing up as 100%. And sometimes you can't. Right. Yeah. That is just such a tough thing to accept. Gosh. Yeah. But it's amazing that you, you know, relatively quickly were able to like turn it around and be like, okay, other people are also having issues. Maybe not the same one, but like these things are happening for people that they're not expecting. And how can I, as a leader, help the people that I, at least the people in my workplace deal with things when they come up. So yeah. And we we can be an example to others, like living openly might give somebody permission at another company who's dealing with the same issue I have or a different issue um, to take a different action or maybe for their employer to be like, Hey, people I think are kicking, you know, what in business 
also have issues like, and it's okay. Right. Yeah. A lot of people feel shame. Um, when I met with my friend at the arthritis foundation, she said a lot of people don't disclose their diagnosis or they go through great lengths to hide it or to not talk about it because they're afraid of workplace discrimination. Um, sure. You know, false beliefs around what it is and fears around what that means for the future. Right. And that's a shame. That's like, it's enough pressure to deal with not even this issue, but any health or mental health issue. And I think creating a safety net for the people around us to share more openly. And I'm not talking about like oversharing kind of stuff, but, um, you know, there have to be professional boundaries, but to live authentically and to own whatever phase of life you're in or whatever challenge you're dealing with, it makes it safe for the person next to you to do that. And it sets a good example. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure that yours is a, an amazing team to work on um, already. And so having that just new added layer of support and, you know, just, I don't know, acceptance of whatever may come up is, it makes it even more special. So I really commend you for, you know, taking that extra step and thinking beyond yourself and really including your whole team in some of that planning for the future. I think whatever life hands us, like any challenge, once we have our like ugly cry moment or our, you know, search the internet and freak out moment is probably a chance to do better, to learn, to change, even if it was unwanted change. And so I'm just hoping that I will have the grace to continue to embrace what's ahead of me and to use whatever it is that happens to me or for me as, as a chance to do better for like whatever time I have here. Yeah. Well, and that's why you're an inspiration. That's why I'm so proud and happy to call you one of my very best friends because (laughs) all of that that you are and that you do is, um, you know, brings a lot to the people in your world. So, um, so yeah, I'm so thankful that you were able to share that story. I'm sure that people listening, um, you know, even if they don't have the same kind of things going on, um, it gives them something to think about and a little bit of inspiration for whatever they might be going through. Yeah. I mean, I, even if it's like as simple as, you know, somebody learns that, you know, children can have arthritis and deal with excruciating pain or that, you know, fit busy moms can have this thing, not just like older women or men. Um, and they can have it too. Right. And it's, it is painful and uncomfortable and it's valid. Um, but like, you know, a little less judgment for the people around you if they don't show up at hundred percent and they normally do. And like the next time you see somebody strutting around and like old lady sandals, like maybe give them a thumbs up. (laughs) You never know what they're going through. Maybe that's like where it's at for them. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Old lady sandal acceptance is what we're yeah. really. <laughs> That's my new platform. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that takes us to the point in this podcast where I like to talk about the um, donation of the week. And so obviously, whenever I can, I try to match up donations to whatever, you know, the, whoever the recipient is or whatever the theme is for the week. And of course I made a donation to the arthritis foundation. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I, I love when, um, I'm able to mark a donation, like in honor of someone, like, so that the company knows that, um, there was a re like that, that's the, 
um, catalyst for making the gift was, you know, knowing a person or whatever the case may be. So I was able to do that and, and they let you know, right? Yeah. I, so I got a letter in the mail before you and I even talked Uh and I had a good ugly cry for a nice reason. I was so moved. You were the first person in my world to step up to do something that visibly was like, I care on this deep level. And it, it like took me by like the just nicest kind of surprise. Like it was a little, like I teared up when I opened the letter and I realized what you had done. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, you know, like secretly or not so secretly, like that's kind of the reason why I'm doing this project is because I want to make people feel good. Um, you know, whether it's through the donations or for a silly gift or whatever it is, like making people feel good at, because when I hear about that, it makes me feel good. And so maybe selfishly, this project is a little bit about my own happiness, (laughs) but in the process, I feel like it's doing a lot of good things for a lot of people. So I'm so happy to hear that, you know, it mattered to you that I made that gift as small as it may be. Um, but No, but I think that's a great point, Bernadette, is small gifts can have big impact. It's um, all of the funds raised through that organization. It's like not only the scientific advances, but encouraging young people who are on the path to becoming, you know, going into the medical profession to consider becoming rheumatologists, that there is like a dire need for those people to specialize there, like future doctors of the world, if you're listening, like there's not enough rheumatologists. It, it's a it's a very rewarding path, but there's not enough of you out there. That's great. I didn't actually realize that that's part of their mission. And I think mm-hmm. that's brilliant because that makes a difference, like on the day-to-day level when there's nobody that you can see because there aren't enough people to see patients. Like that's, that's a really important part of, of the mission then. Um, and so I'm glad I'm sure I've made repeat donations to places over the course of this um, time period. I don't always mention them every time because I don't like to, you know, say the same places over and over Mm -hmm. again. But um, I feel like that this might be one where I'll continue to support them, you know, outside of this project, just because um, I know how much it impacted you. And I know that other people I know have dealt with the same type of thing and that rheumatology in general is such a needed field. So, um, and there's so much to it. It's support groups. It's, you know, research to, to get better treatment options because treatments can work and then not work. It's, it's a layered thing. Like if somebody has this for a lifetime, you're probably not going to only be on one medicine or on one medicine for life. Right. And you're saying that there've been a lot of advances and that's led by the Alzheimer's association or Alzheimer's arthritis. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother topic. Also yes. very important. Yeah. Uh, um, no, a, a lot of that is being led by the arthritis foundation. They've funded a lot of research to create scientific advancements and treatment options for people who live with it. Because once you have it, you're living with it for life. Um, I, I know there are people out there on the internet saying this, but generally it, it, it is autoimmune and it is always there. It can go into a state of dormancy or okay. remission, mm-hmm. um, but it is always there and it can pop back up. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that is 
pretty much our episode. And I'll admit, I didn't really think of a, a catchy way to close this out because <laughs> you can put on your easy spirits and just stroll out of here, Bernadette. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking my hokas and I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Rolling but, on. Um, yeah. So this has been um, a really awesome conversation. I really appreciate your your being here. Um, I think it shows my willingness to accept risk by inviting one of my very best friends to have a conversation as my first interview, <laughs> baby steps. Yes. So I appreciate um, you just being just a fabulous guest first and only guest so far. And um, okay, and just wiggle your, your big toe. Wiggle just your big toe. That's right. And, and for sharing your story, I think it's really important and, um, and I really appreciate it. So Thanks for having me. All right. Hang in there, girl. And I will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye. So there you have it. Our gift for this week, week 26, halfway through 50% done, um, was some Quentin Tarantino style motivation for my friend Philomena and a donation to the Arthritis Foundation. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this special episode. And if you have any feedback or comments about rheumatoid arthritis or Quentin Tarantino <laughs> or Philomena, my super friend, um, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me 52gifts at bernadettemac.com. See you next week. If you liked this episode, I thank you for giving it a shot, and I encourage you to share it with a friend. We can all use a little more positive content in our lives, eh? Also, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify and leave a review. If you have questions or comments about this week's gifts, or if you have suggestions for future gift ideas or donations, I'd love to hear them. Email them to me at 52gifts at BernadetteMac.com. It's the number 52GIFTS at BernadetteMac.com. And be sure to check out the photos of each weekly gift at BernadetteMac.com forward slash 52gifts or on Instagram at 52giftspod. You can show your love for this podcast by heading on over to BernadetteMac.com forward slash 52 gifts and become a supporter. And 52 gifts is produced and hosted by Bernadette Mac. Our writer is Bernadette Mac with research provided by Bernadette Mac. Our editor is Bernadette Mac. Social media support provided by, you guessed it, Bernadette Mac. See you next week.